But uh, God is great and greatly to be praised. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. I'm glad. Listen, the world has fallen apart, but my Redeemer liveth. I said, my Redeemer liveth forevermore. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I'd like to draw your attention to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 2. And um, keep uh, the quiz team, man, we've got, we've got people hither and yon all over the United States. We've got, it just, just happens, summertime. Uh, a bulk of our people are back in uh, Tulsa with the um, National Bible Quizzing at the Peak Conference, and so uh, be keeping them in prayer. And I'm awful proud, as as I know you are, of our young people. It's a tremendous accomplishment, even in our parents, you know, to get parents to dedicate to that kind of a, a commitment is an incredible thing. We appreciate all of them so very, very much. Amen. First Peter chapter number 2. We're just going to kind of slow down tonight. And then um, I don't really plan on keeping you here all that long unless I don't feel like you're getting it. So the challenge is to either get it or act like you got it. Okay, this sharp group of people, it shouldn't be all that difficult. All right, 1 Peter chapter number 2, just one verse of Scripture, and then we're going to pray, and you can be seated tonight. I was at the church almost, I wouldn't say I was here the whole day, but I was here for a good part of the day today, seeking God for this service tonight. And uh, just as clear as God speaks to me, this is what we're supposed to talk about tonight. Verse 11, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Let's read that verse one more time. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And I want to talk to us for a few minutes tonight about winning the war within. Winning the war within. Let's put our Bibles down and one more time let's lift our voices together and pray. And let's pray that the Holy Ghost helps us tonight. The Word of God is a strength to us tonight. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, in this, the last days, God, I pray for your people to be found without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Give us strength. Give us understanding. God, help us to be overcomers. We ask it by the authority of the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. The challenge 
that we all are faced with, and I say all because that really is the truth, is that we are dealing with the cause and the effect of the fall of mankind. The Bible tells me in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 16, the Bible says, for all that is in the world, everything that is outside of the church, outside of God, is driven, motivated, or based on one of these three things, maybe two out of the three, or maybe even all three. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And I love verse number 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The lust that drives this world and is an absolute issue that has to be faced, confronted, challenged, dealt with, and we are required to overcome is something in all of our fallen nature. It does not matter if you're born in the United States or you are born in Tierra del Fuego that is the very southern tip of South America, or you are born somewhere in Asia, some remote primitive spot, it does not matter. Every single human being is born into sin and has got to deal with lust. Now, I think that in times past, and this is not by any stretch at all to be a criticism because I believe, and I don't, this is not disrespectful when I say this because if you really know me, you know how much I love our, our predecessors and our forefathers that brought this message to us and sustained this way of life. But I I really believe that there were some things, at least in the previous generation or so, that they probably did not really want to address some things. Um, And I don't fault them for that. They prayed, they fasted, they preached and taught the Word of God. People overcame, people lived for God, people had the victory, and and God got the glory. But I think with... um, the way that our culture is and the way that our world is and the way that the church is today, I think that it would behoove us to get down to the nitty-gritty and to get down to where the rubber meets the road and help us to understand that no matter what you're struggling with, God is for you. I do not want to make 
strong superlative statements regarding this because I believe that this is so serious that this is no time for superlatives or euphemisms or metaphors or just painting pretty little pictures. I think that this is so serious that we just need to get down to where the rubber meets the road and realize, you know what, I am not praying like I need to pray. I am not, I'm not fasting like I need to fast. Quit. Is that all right? If our young people are going are gonna to maintain their salvation, they're going to have to have a genuine walk with God. If our young couples are going to stay married, they, are, they can't mess around with psychology. they got to have a walk with God. So I think a genuine apostolic church. And, that, and that's, that's the only requirement. I don't care where you are, what affiliation. I, if you're apostolic, it's because you're living for God with everything you have. In this day and in this hour, there is no taking it easy. There's no breaks. There's no faking it till you make it. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, you are going to have to live by the rules and really live for God. The good news is there's more grace than there's ever been. There's more power available than there's ever been. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. This word abstain means to hold or to keep yourself from. And it refers specifically to evil practices, iniquity, transgression, etc., etc. To abstain means to voluntarily hold oneself back from something that is regarded as unhealthy improper, immoral, or sinful, or all the above. But the important thing to recognize about this particular verse is, is that the apostle is drawing the warfare. It is within. It is not on the outside. The apostle um, is saying that we should abstain from lust that wars against the soul. And I'm going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you don't even have to have a devil to have a problem. You don't have to even, you, it, it's amazing how many people blame this on the devil and it's not even the devil, it's their flesh that's out of control. I'm not saying that the devil can't plant a thought because he knows your weakness. And once he plants that thought, he watches your response. This is how you overcome the devil. You don't walk around and cast him out of every situation. What you do is you rein your body in. And you bring it under the dominion of the Holy Ghost. And you bring it under the... Come on, somebody, help me out tonight. You call us old-fashioned if you want to, but I'm going to go to heaven. You take this new stuff, 
that's not worth a wooden nickel, that's not going to get your feet off the ground, and you throw it outside this building. When we walk into this building, it's baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and living for God with everything you got. There's no easy way. There's no cutting corners. There's no faking it till you make it. Seven letters to the seven churches, one of the most common themes throughout all those books, those letters is to he that overcometh, not just attending church, not just raising your family, not just holding down a job, but there has to be something in you that recognizes what God gave to me is greater than what's in this world, who I have inside of me is greater than what's in this world. And so these things have to be confronted. And the sooner that you get serious about confronting these kinds of things, the sooner you're really going to enjoy living for God. I remember there was uh, was preaching a revival years ago uh, in a country town, and there was an older saint of God that had lived for God through thick and thin, through hard realities of life and blessings. And I'll never forget this before I uh, took the pulpit as the evangelist. She came up to the pulpit and she said, this is all I got to say to you younger ones. Get a real good handle on this and hang on. And you know, that's all I got to say to you. Get a real good grip on this and then hang on. And make it up in your mind, whatever comes, whatever goes, I'm not letting go of this. This is my ticket out of here. This word that the Apostle Peter uses here, if you'd put that back up there, Brother Elijah, 1 Peter 2, 11, he uses the word war. This is an interesting word that literally describes an encamped army. It's not just a little deal. It's a big deal. And this inner struggle is really what it's going to come down to is you and Jesus against an encamped army that wars against the soul. The Apostle James, the great pastor at Jerusalem, referred to this struggle in James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. When he said this, 
From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come, come they not hence even of your lusts? Have you ever met people that are always angry? You guys awake over here? Okay, just checking. Have you ever met people that are always constantly angry? From whence come wars and fightings among you? Probably a more accurate rendering would have said within you. Come they, they not hence even of your lust that war in your members. You know, it's hard to enjoy living for God if you're feeling dirty all the time. It's what happens is one of the one of the stages um, that happens as a person, their judgment system begins to evaporate is that because they they don't know they don't want to pay the price to get free. So they start changing the doctrine. They start changing the requirements. I can't think personally, as a spiritual practitioner tonight, there is nothing more dangerous than trying to change the Word of God like, oh, you know, I don't know, and I don't know about that church, and all of a sudden, you know, we're starting to tamper with the Word, and we're tampering with the message. Listen, leave the message alone. It's not up to you and I to change the message. It's for the message to change me. Anytime you get around somebody that wants to start tampering with the message and tampering with the requirement, what you're doing is you're seeing an individual that is too lazy and too carnal to get down and go to war on the inside. And they have now changing the rules of engagement. I want to tell you something. I already know my flesh is no good. I already know my nature is no good. I already know that there dwelleth no good thing in me except Jesus Christ and him glorified. So what happens here at Cornerstone, I'm a big believer in this, is we, we try to make God so available to everybody So that when you walk out of here, you're walking out of here full of excitement and full of the glory. Now, hold on. Hold on a second. No, this is a reality. Mediocre, average Pentecost is dying. I want to tell you something. When backsliders come into this church, they ought to feel something that's more gratifying than drugs. Or you ain't never going to get them off drugs. You can tell them about heaven. You can preach to them about hell. But until, mama, you get your hands in the air and take a lap every once in a while and show them that God is better than the chains, you ain't never going to get your kids off drugs unless you show them what the glory is like and what the liberty is like and what the power is like. You're wasting your time. And so what we hope is when your backslidden children come to visit is that they feel the anointing. They see a demonstration of the power and the glory. 
And if they'll get, get to this altar and pray, God will give them the Holy Ghost. God, will for, God wants to forgive us more than we want to forgive ourselves. He's on the side of eternity saying, I want to be with you forever. I'm not interested in a one-night stand. I'm not interested for a couple years. I'm not interested for a chapter in your life. I'm not interested until you get out of this crisis. I'm not, I'm not interested in just getting you out of Egypt. This is for keeps. This is forever. This is for eternity. And so, and so, all of our altar calls have been good. And when somebody walks out of here and they feel renewed, they feel clean, they feel forgiven, they feel empowered, when they lay their head down at night, they can face that lust and say, I'm done with you. Come on, somebody. If you don't get full of the Holy Ghost and you're just going through the motions, you are robbing yourself. You are going to have a repeat performance. I can almost prophesy to you, you're going to fail again. Because that war that's on the inside of you is stronger than your mind. It's stronger than your will. It's stronger than your memory. Somebody help me out right now. You've got to have the power of the Almighty God on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Man, this pastor's negative. No, I'm not negative. I'm just being real. I'm just being real. Cornerstone is not because, because we don't want to keep the pedal to the metal, which is where that, where the rubber meets the road is where people experience salvation. Where the rubber meets the road, the cutting edge is where the blessings are. The further that your life moves away from that cutting edge of being an overcomer, the further you move away from that dimension of blessings that God wants to have in your life. All of us sit our hands and say, God help me. God help me. I've, I've, I've got a new job so I don't have to think about it. And I've got a new a love interest so that I don't have to think about it. And I've got a new, I'm after something else. I'm after a possession. So I don't have to, and I've got this, and I've got that, because I don't want to have to think about it. You know what? It's going to keep popping up. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to be an overcomer. But when you when you finally draw the line and say, all right, Goliath, it's you and I, and I'm not backing off. Everybody else might have backed off. Everybody else might be afraid of you, but I am sick and tired of you pushing me around. And Somebody clap your hands to give him praise. Any overcomers in the house? I don't care what you've done, and I don't care. That really don't even matter. The only thing that matters is, are you an overcomer? Praise God. All right, please stop. James chapter 4, there's wars because of lust that a person is not dealing with. Honey, what's wrong with so-and-so? They're just angry all the time. They're, they're just on the edge of the time. They're, they're just like ready to snap all the time. You wonder what? There's a war going on inside of them. 
and they haven't really taken sides yet. I'm trying. You ought to thank your God that there's a church you can go to that's not going to smooth over this, but we're going to get right down to the nitty-gritty and tell you there is help available for you. There is deliverance available to you. There is a Savior that's available for you. You don't have to live like that. There's people I know. I don't want to mention any names. I'll get in trouble. But there's people that I've met. It, it just, it just, always mad. Oh, we're not on speaking terms with this person. We're not on speaking. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's not what a Christian does. Always got an attitude. Always got a problem with something or somebody. And I already know. I already know. That before it's all over, I'm going to end up being the bad guy. Even though I wasn't the catalyst, and even though I didn't do it, I did. I'm as white as snow. But because I cannot and will not be manipulated, I'm going to end up being the bad guy. But I will tell you one thing. I'm going to tell you that God is for you. God wants to be with you. God wants to take you to heaven. God wants to give you the victory. God wants to be the glory in your life. God wants to be the strength in your life. Not an occupation, not some stupid pursuit, but focused on the supernatural. Not only was the Apostle James acquainted with this process, but the Apostle Paul himself, one of the most famous bodies of Scripture in Romans chapter number 7, is describing this incredible process that was going on within the Apostle Paul. Um, now, I know on the notes that I gave you back there, but I'd like you to go to Romans chapter 7, verse number 18. Let's start in verse number 18. I want you to listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul, okay? For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, you have to get to this place if you're going to get the victory. You got to say, I'm not good. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. Now he's getting ready to describe how that he wants to live for God. But because he's in the flesh, he doesn't have the power to live for God. He's religious here. This is the confession of a religious man. Not a spiritual man, but a religious man. Okay. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. Do you know that we are going to have absolute phenomenal end-time revival among denominational people? Well, hold on a second. Don't think for one second that there's people sitting out there, I don't care, Catholics, Seventh-day Adventists, you fill in the blank. I'm not trying to be judgmental. Like I don't have time to describe them tonight. Jehovah Witness, anybody. 
Don't think for one minute that those people sitting in that church do not really want God. I'm going to say that again because we, we, need to, we need to get a hold of this. You need to understand that there's people that are sitting out there in those churches that really want God. Maybe they were born into being a Catholic, but they're doing the best they can. I'm praying, God, shatter this thing and break it wide open so we can have, so God can be God. And God can be the strength. And God can be the deliverer. And God can be the reality. God, give us revival. Everybody in the house, clap your hands and give God the praise. Don't you dare be rude to a Catholic person. Don't you dare be rude to anybody. You may be seated. Pastor, they worship the devil. So, bring him to church. Pastor, I'd bring this person, but I think they're full of the devil. Bring him to church. Honey, if they can make it through the worship service, I guarantee you the devil's on the first bus out of town. There ain't no demon-possessed, spiritually confused person that's going to scare the Holy Ghost. Brother Charles, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have stood a snowball's chance in hell if the people would have been afraid. Oh, look at that dude over there. He doesn't look like one of us. What does one of us look like? No, look beyond the uniform. Just somebody that needs the blood. Just somebody that needs Jesus. Just somebody that needs grace. Just somebody that needs mercy. Just somebody looking for answers. Just somebody that wants truth. Come on, clap your hands one more time and give him praise. My Lord, I feel revival tonight. I don't see it yet, but I can feel it. I'm telling you, This is for everybody. All right. Stop doing that because I have to get through this tonight. Verse number 19. For the good that I would, I do not. The good that I know I'm supposed to do, I don't do it. I'm just wretched. Scrungy, scroungy, any other Christian expletives I can think of. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I love that. I really didn't do it. It's the sin that's in me. It made me do it. No, he's confessing that he's a sinner. He doesn't know to do anything else. I then find a law that when I do good, evil is present with me. Now, there is a revelation right there. How many of you have felt the victory, and the next minute you know you're in the trial of your life? Oh, Pastor, I 
I started praying three minutes longer than normal. Come to early morning prayer once a month. I'm sorry, I'm just being sarcastic. You, you, listen, this entire church ought to come at least one of the six days. Look at your neighbor and go. Okay? In fact, we just took out a quarter-page ad in the Liberty Lake Splash. Sister uh, Holly Jordan sent me a picture of it. She, t- she was reading it. Whoa, look at that. Quarter-page ad in the Liberty Lake Splash and in the Spokane Valley. I don't even know what the paper is over there, but it's in their paper as well. It says, come pray with us. We're inviting the whole city to come out and pray. Can I come to your church? I don't, I don't speak in tongue. Come on in. I haven't been baptized yet. Come on in. I'm living in my car. Come on in. I'm living under a bridge. Come on in. I'm living on the sidewalk. Come on in. I'm driving a Mercedes. Come on in. I live up on the hill. Come on in. serious about this. Everybody, you go through a little deal, you did good, you feel your conscience becomes clean, you feel you feel justified, you feel clean. <coughs> Excuse me. You feel empowered, you did the good thing, you did something right, and all of a sudden when I do good, I find that evil is present with me. unending cycle. This is why you see people come and they pray and they do good for about two weeks. Because they're not maintaining the power. See, I need God to keep doing good. Verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring the war that's within. It's warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. He's now a prisoner of war. And finally, I see the Apostle Paul throwing his hands in the air, and you cannot use a word that more aptly describes what it's like to lose the war over and over and over again on a religious basis. Oh, wretched. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh, the law of sin. Look at, look at Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Here's the key. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Let's lift our hands and just love him. That's the answer for the human race. 
the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. That's not just some denominational, well, that's just how you guys do it. That was for the whole human race. That was for every creed, every color, every language. Every continent, every nation, whatever your last name is, it was for you. Whatever, wherever you call home, it's for you. Whoever your people are, that's for you. Whatever your background is, it's for you. For the entirety of the human race. Because it is the only power, Brother Seymour, that can break the hold of the flesh. There is therefore now no condemnation. See, this condemnation is the basis for that war. I've seen people weaken, people I love dearly that have that war going on on the inside of them. They blame other people. They blame circumstances. They blame, well, this isn't perfect. That's not right. That's not good. Dude, that ain't even the problem. The problem is you have a war going on on the inside of you. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Let's clap our hands one more time and give him praise. This is a reality. This is what the gospel is all about. Why come to church if you're not going to do this? You're setting yourself up for frustration. liberation that is freely given to us by God. I need to talk to you. We have in this church, we have some pure, godly young people. Not that the older ones aren't, but right now I'm talking to the young people. You have never experimented. You have never given yourself to licentious behavior or lascivious, anything immoral or unclean. I want to tell you that the value of that cannot be estimated. I need some moms and dads. Now, you got to have my back here tonight. I need to talk to some people. No, 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 no. When you open the Pandora's box of sexuality, you will never get that box closed again. In fact, I want us to lift our hands and pray because I'm going to talk real plain like a pastor tonight. I'm trying to help some people that are messing around. God, in the name of Jesus, help us. Help us. Help us to want you more than we want the lust of the flesh. Help us to want you more than we want the lust of the eye. Help us to want you more than we want the pride of life. Help us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. 
Well, pastor, it was just one time. Your nature will never be the same again. devil is working on us to experiment. To send some kind of dirty, filthy text message. Which activates the lust of our flesh. And you let a tiger out of the cage. And it will never be satiated until you are devoured. Now, you are looking at an ex-person tonight. I have repented of my sins. I'm, I've, I'm not repenting for those kinds of sins, but I still repent. Repentance is the most beautiful gift ever given to humanity. Without that, we're not going to make it. I thank God for repentance. But you are looking at somebody that is an ex-sinner. There is only one force and one agency in the universe. That can keep that part of your nature that has now been opened and keep it at bay. And that is the power of the Holy Ghost. I have been pastoring now for almost 25 years. We have baptized hundreds and hundreds of people in this church. I have worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And people that were fornicators before they came in. You can mark it down. That if they don't get a prayer life. It's just a little while. And they're going to be trying to figure out a way to have what they want. I'm going to tell you why I know this kind of stuff. Because I went through that. But I'm going to tell you what God did for Rick Mayo. God brought a trial into my life that was so severe that it basically brought me to a choice. of I'm either going to go back to drugs. I'm going to go back to all of the lustful ways of trying to deal with pain and emptiness and broken relationships and a wounded spirit and a broken heart, or I'm going to turn to God. And I finally, when I got in the church, I said goodbye to the world. I am never going back to that. I am never going back to the bar. I am never going back to those empty relationships. I had no choice but to get into an altar and learn how to pray. There were older sisters in the Rock Church that I learned to pray from. There were people that I watched that knew how to get into the Holy Ghost, and I watched them, and I, and I learned this, and I learned that, and every single thing that I could get my hand on helped me to understand understand. You don't have to go back. You don't have to go in to give your unto lust. You don't have to give into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. You can stay home, but you're going to have to do it with the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands to give God the praise.
I had it up to here with drugs. I had it up to here with alcohol. I had it up to here with shallow lying people. I had it up here with fake. I had it up here with the world. I had it up here with problems. I had it up here with everything. I wanted God, and I was willing to do it God's way. Clap your hands and give God the praise. And that is the only way, young man, that you're going to survive. Is you're going to have to get a hold of the horns of the altar and say, I refuse to back up. I refuse to give in. I refuse to be duplicit. I refuse to be a liar. I refuse to be an adulterer. I refuse. Now that's preaching. That's preaching. And there's people all over this audience that already know. You're, you're not moving. I don't expect you to move. You already know this man is all over this tonight. Because you already know what happens when you're not in the spirit and you don't keep your, your, your flesh in check. Everybody is subject to that. Everybody's going to have to deal with that. Everybody is going to have to be an overcomer in those. I don't care if you messed up for years and lost sight of what this was all about. If you can find a place in this altar, you can start a new chapter. You, you might have messed up in the beginning, but the end of it can be on your way to heaven. You don't have to live as a flunky. You don't have to live as a failure. You don't have to live as a has-been. You don't have to live as a reject, but you do have to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. God will help you. The church will help you. This winning the war within, there is nothing more important. Okay, I got another hour. What? We're just kind of in a little, kind of in a little break right now, this church in the spirit. Because I'm going to tell you, when we start having, when you start seeing fresh faces, and they start getting integrated, you're going to start seeing people that you never knew they had those problems. Those problems are going to come alive because there's a new face. God wants to save beautiful people, and God wants to save people. See that? Ain't that, that ain't exactly beautiful. Good enough to get my wife to fall in love with me. But I got to tell you, she's still good looking. But I have fallen in love with a part of her that eyes can't see. 
you liposuction crowd out there in the back 40, listen up. There's only so many stretch marks that you're going to be able to get rid of before it's just obvious. Dude, you're 70. You're not supposed to look like you're 20. But this is the beauty of it. When the Holy Ghost is in your marriage, it transcends. It goes beyond flesh. It goes beyond tight skin. It goes beyond perfect body. It gets into the spirit. And Adam and Eve for a while had Jesus Christ right in the middle of their marriage. You see, people that are in the world, they got to trade in. They got to get a newer model. Every once in a while. Now, I know my wife doesn't want a newer model because it took her a long time to train me. See, I'm trained, I'm house trained. Everybody go like this. I'm just kidding. You don't have to. You, you don't have to do that. That's ridiculous. All great preaching has a little element of humor. But my point is, is that when the Holy Ghost is in your relationship, it transcends the lust of the eyes, because now you have discovered an inner beauty. Hallelujah. Winning the war within. We all know the story about King David. All the religious people were hiding behind rocks and stumps, and even the leaders were hiding while Goliath, you know, Goliath represented a spirit. And geographically, when you when you read all of the, it's more than just black and white on a page. There's there's sociological idiosyncrasies that all have spiritual import. For example, what Goliath represented was the nation of Israel could not advance the perimeters. You remember what God told. This was just preached. Um, Brother Ryan O'Neill preached about that God's going to drive out the enemy little by little, which meant the perimeter of the nation of Israel. There was always going to be an outer edge of their perimeter. Goliath was standing between them and advancing to the next level, going to the next level. Also, he was also fighting them in a valley that was in the territory or in the piece of land that was originally given to Judah. And so he didn't attack any other factor. He was attacking the praise of the nation of Israel. Judah is always indicative. It's a, it's, a, it's a typology of praise with God's people. And so Goliath parked right in a valley in praise. And all the, the religiosity of the nation of Israel was hiding. But David said, I've already been anointed, so I already know the end of this story, so I have nothing to lose. And I've already taken out a bear. I've already taken out a lion. And this uncircumcised Philistine is not going to be a problem. 
In fact, he not only, this is what a lot of people do. A lot of people get spiritual just to knock their giant down. When you're facing a situation and you need, you need to immediate relief, most people are relieved when they knock the giant down. But that's not, that wasn't good enough for David. David took his sword out and cut his head off with his own sword. So David killed the giant in the middle of one of the most heated wars in the history of the Word of God. But after David became king, in 2 Samuel chapter number 11, verses 1 and 2, let's go down the list. And it came to pass, after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. I don't have time to get into all of this, but suffice it to say, um, I believe, I believe that David stayed home so that he could do this. You know, you're not really living for God unless you can live for God in an empty house. Your wife's not there. The kids are not there. Nobody there except you and a computer. And that's when the devil moves. And that's when your flesh is tempted. You are genuinely living for God. If you can live for God when you're all by yourself. David sent the entire army out. In fact, we don't have time to get into this, but he actually sent out the entire city. It was just just a handful of servants to keep the lights on and the dishes washed, keep the menial tasks being performed around David's house. Verse number 2. Or, I'm sorry, whatever the next, I'm sorry, you're there. And it came to pass in eventide that David arose off from off of his bed. Now, I don't have time to get into all this real deep, but the devil will start working us over to get on internet pornography at night. There's there's a few folks here that are struggling with this tonight. And he walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. I've, I've heard people come up with ridiculous stories like Bathsheba was tempting David. I don't believe that for one minute. I believe that this is clearly all David's problem. So David inquired, sent servants, go get her. There's nobody in town but us. Go get her. And David committed the act. David was able to kill the giant. 
that withstood the perimeters of God's people but could not kill the giant within. He lost the most important battle. And if you'll check this out, go back and read this. It's a fascinating story. David never again rose to preeminence or prominence. God did not remove him from being king, which in itself is an amazing aspect of God's grace, God's glory. But God had committed to David that the glory of his household, there would always be a king sit from the loins of David upon that throne, which when Jesus Christ, when his birth was announced in Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter number 3, they announced him as coming from the loins of David. And so God always has a prophetical far beyond flesh. I want to tell you what, every single human being that's breathing is in the Word of God. Everybody's going to play a part in the Word of God. I've just made up my mind, I want to play it in the church, doing good, being what God wants me to be. I don't want to be any of those disasters that he's talking about um, in, in the end time. I don't want to talk about people that are trying to, that are trying to, because they're so afraid they're trying to kill themselves and they can't. I, I don't want to be people that believe in the Antichrist. I, I don't want, everybody that's in this world today is in that book. In fact, every human being that's ever lived is somewhere going to play a part in that book. You can't escape this. David lost the most important battle of his life. And he never again four children that messed up. Devastating. Devastating. Here are some practical and godly recommendations for us to win the war within. This is a war that we can never surrender we can never negotiate with, and you can never back off. I don't know about anybody else. You're looking at one person. I, I got to pray. I'm not, willing, I'm not willing to lose the spiritual altitude. In fact, in my heart, my heart's desire is to go higher than where I am right now. You can only go higher from where you are right now if you're maintaining where you're supposed to be. There are too many people that come in. I was sharing this with a new convert just the other day. When I, when I first got saved, and I, pardon me for using so many personal examples, I don't know who else to use, and I'm trying to help somebody tonight, but when I first got in the church, I had no, I had no discipline at all. eternal life now. Now what? Well, you got to pray three hours a day and people start thinking about all that stuff. They think, oh, dude, I'm checking out of this thing right now. Until 
See, when you make that decision in the flesh, you don't make that decision in the flesh. You make that decision when you get full of the Holy Ghost and say, I ain't losing what I got right now. I'm tying the rope off right now. I'm drawing the line right now. And whatever I got to do to stay on this side of the line, if it's pray all night, I'm going to do it. If it's to fast an extra day, I'm going to do it. If it's to get more Bible studies, I'm going to do it. I'm not giving up nothing. But every person has got to come to that where they say, you know what? I am not negotiating. I'm not drawing a truce. I'm not going to play around anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get full of this thing, and I'm going to draw a line and say, I'm living on this side of victory, and I'm not going back. You're not going to draw me in to depression. I'm not going to get frustrated because I can't sin anymore. God is better than your sin. Clap your hands and give God the praise. God's better than lust. God's better than sin. God. Here about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, my wife was diagnosed with a giant cell bone tumor. She was flat on her back for months. And the devil moved in and said, well, your wife is out of commission for a long time. What are you going to do? Nothing. No, I'm, I'm, nothing. Oh, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you get in a fight with your wife, the Bible says. In Ephesians chapter 4, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. When you won't apologize and humble yourself, you are shutting up your prayers, you're shutting up heaven, and the devil moves in, and he wants you to mess up big time because you got too much pride to just get down and say, forgive me, I was wrong, I've got a bad attitude, and I'm going to the church to pray. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm, I'm preaching good right now. There are no shortcuts to this. If you're going to be the real thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I was a fake for 30 years. Why would I get in this to be a fake? I was a hypocrite for 30 years in the world. Why would I allow people to convince me to do that? Not This is the greatest thing that ever happened to Rick Mayo. I got no intention to going backwards. I got no intention of quieting down. I got no intention of changing anything. It's full steam ahead. It's pedal to the metal. It's revival until Jesus comes. Bible says in 1 Timothy, you don't have to turn there, 1 Timothy 6 says fight the good fight. This fight is not with other people. I see people that are always, always fighting other people. That is clear indication that the, this is where the battle is. They're projecting that on everybody. Ah, they're stupid. Ah, those people. Ah, they're, <laughs> they're just idiots. No, the biggest idiot is right here. 
that won't get down and really pray and said, I'm going to put my flesh where it belongs. I've taken this as long as I have, and I'm done with it. I want peace. I want joy. I want righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Nobody can do that for you. Your mommy can't do that for you. Your daddy can't do that for you. Your husband can't do that for you. Your wife can't do that for you. Your children can't do that for you. Fight the good fight. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, endure hardness as a good soldier. Listen, it's not all running the aisles. It's not all, how you doing? Woo, great. Sometimes it's, how you doing? I'm doing okay. God's good. God's good. You've got to kill this at the source. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 27. Brother Elijah, Mr. Bowtie, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery, verse 28. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her already. You can do that on a screen. Verse 29. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. That doesn't mean that you go home and you get a spoon and you dig out your eyeball. Somebody did that a while back here in some other state. Jesus is speaking about cut this thing off at the source. You know, if you're a man and you're, you're addicted to, to internet pornography, that's just the stimulant. There's an outcome. I mean, you've got to fight this equation somewhere. So where you fight it is you get rid of the stimulant. I'm trying to help us tonight. you got grown men that are addicted to this stuff. And you feel ugly. You feel dirty. You're here. You love God, but you're, you're bound. This is how you get out of it. You deal with your eyes. You say, I will put no wig. I have made a covenant with these eyes. And I am no longer going to give myself to this equation. I am cutting it off right here, right now. I'm not going to do it. If I got to get rid of my computer, I'll do it. If I got to throw my cell phone away, so be it. If I got to get rid of everything, I'd rather go to heaven than be lost with all this junk. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. The reasoning here, the wisdom, the pedagogy of Jesus is par excellente. He's, he's, hitting, he's hitting this thing in the heart of it. He's saying you're better off going to heaven, missing out on what the world says is great. You're better off going to heaven, saying no to a relationship that would have destroyed your life, no matter what you got to go through to make that commitment. And he's 
using an extreme illustration of plucking out your eye. Next verse, verse 31. It, it has been said, whosoever shall put a, oh, that's, I was looking for the one that said, cut your hand off. Never mind. It's in the same setting of Scripture. He said, pluck out your eye. He said, cut your hand off. If your member offends you, you would be better off to go to heaven with one hand than to be whole and go to hell. You kill it at the source. Don't blame this on your marriage. Don't blame this on your kids. Don't blame this on all the idiosyncratic pressures that we that we give ourselves to. I'll tell you a big one that drives people to become addicted is fear. People can hide behind a cigarette. You know, they can't talk. Hold on. Oh, hold on, man. We can't talk till I get my... People hide behind things. Because Satan has trained them because of the weakness of their flesh. He has, he's used the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. He has trained an entire race. God has come to liberate the human race. Kill it at the source. Turn the computer off. Forget this net nanny stuff. Well, I just need to get some software. No, because you're going to spend two weeks on how to get around that software. And when your compulsion hits... You'll do anything you can to get around that software. Just pray more. Pray till you get a breakthrough. Number two, walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, live in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. Help me out, Mr. Bowtie. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. You can take this whole Bible. This has got about, I don't know, 1,300 pages. Take this whole Bible and just close it. All you need is one verse. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Pastor, how come you guys got so many prayer meetings? To help you walk in the Spirit. How come you guys got prayer before church? To help you get in the Spirit. How come you guys are doing all this other stuff? To help you get in the Spirit. Because when you get in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're not doing this so that we can be part of some denomination or we can feel like we're Pentecostal. We're doing this so we can get the victory and keep the victory. Verse number 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Jude, verse 20. Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the what? What? Walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, 
live in the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Next verse. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Everybody said the mind. How you think determines everything. Which leads me into point number three. Number one, this is a war that can never be negotiated, surrendered, or backed off from. Number two, walk in the spirit, pray in the spirit, live in the spirit. Number three, your thought life. Whatever it takes to get your mind free, it's worth it. Whatever, whatever effort you have to do. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Next verse. Casting down imaginations. Everything, when you really get full of the Holy Ghost and you draw this line I'm talking about, you're going to be amazed. You are going to be amazed at how much stuff you put up with from the devil. Now, when you really get serious and you say, I ain't doing that anymore. In fact, I'm drawing the line right here. You are going to be amazed by how much thinking you allowed in that you never challenged. And you won't, you'll be able to preach to yourself. You'll be running the aisles with yourself. See, mature Christianity is not me competing with you. Mature Christianity is I'm competing with this old guy right here. And I'm not letting my flesh win. I'm not going to let this old boy get a bad attitude. I'm going to let this guy. Thoughts that are unwholesome. I'm not going to let words come out that are not right. Right here. This is, this is really where it's at right here. That is where mature Christianity is. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. Instead of you being a captive, now you're taking thoughts captive. You're moving on. You're moving up. And bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. I got one more scripture and then we're done. What time is it? 9.03? Okay, I got 30 more minutes. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. Pastor, we already know all this stuff. Oh, okay. This is what God told me to talk about here tonight. We all ought to be winning souls and laying hands and watching the supernatural then. You can help me pray in the altar on Sunday. Finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true. This is, this is what we're supposed to be thinking. This is the mind of Christ in action right here. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. 
Hey, did you hear the latest about brother so-and-so? No, and I don't care to hear it either. Oh, sorry. I'll find somebody that wants to hear it. You know, this is why when you get these little clicks in the church, be careful the people that you're letting influence you. If they're not influencing you to become more spiritual, you need to push the flush button. You do want the victory, don't you? You ain't never going to get it with the crowd that's holding you down, looking at a brother and looking at a sister, and all you can do is chew on problems in the church, and this is going on and that's going on, and the pastor... Man, what happened to the old days, Brother Sarnum, where we just all got together and talked about revival? Talk about God and talk about revival and talk about what God's doing and talk about what God's going to do. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. I know some people, they're incapable of doing this because they've, they're, 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 they're captive to this war on the inside. And every once in a while, they go in a cycle. Everything's fine for a while. But once they mess up and they feel tormented and condemned, they start exploding on other people. Pastor, I didn't know you were so smart. I didn't know I was that smart either. But I've had the Holy Ghost for a while. And I've not, it's not that I've been watching you. I've been watching this guy right here. And there ain't no halo. There are some of you precious people that think I'm perfect. Don't stop. Please. In fact, take an ad out and put it in the paper. Just kidding. Actually, you're deceived if you think that. You spend a little bit of time with me, you're going to find out Brother Mayo's definitely human. Praise God. But I'm going to tell you, I'm reaching for something. I'm reaching for, I see, I see portions of it in me. I see goodness. I see the grace of God. I see the glory. I see the power. I feel the joy, and I'm reaching for more. I'm reaching for a Rick Mayo that's not even here today. I'm reaching. I'm reaching. I'm reaching. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think. That is a disciplined, Holy Ghost-filled, godly person. In Jesus' name. You can win the war of lust. But you have to do it God's way. You have to do it God's way. Let's stand. And let's lift our hands and let's praise God. Let's praise him. God, I don't want anybody to be a statistic or a casualty. I want everybody to be right where they're supposed to be when that trumpet sounds. God, I love you, I love you, I love you. I lo Come on, let's praise him. God's going to help you. God's going to help you. God hates watching his children be tormented when he has the answer and he has the power. I worship you, G. Come on, let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him. 